0: Good to see all of you here this morning, and most of you made it inside before the rain began, so if you just stay for a week, you'll be here next Sunday. Just We'll have to do a lot of carry-out pizza, but we'll, we'll manage somehow. It is good to see all of you here, and if you're visiting with us, <clears throat> we're delighted to have you here and want you to know how glad we are that you chose to be with us today and invite you to be back with us on uh, many future occasions to worship and if you happen to be looking for a good church home, uh, this is a good one. With a lot going on for all people of all ages and families, uh, we, can, we can keep you busy. So hope if you're looking for a church home, you'll give us a, a, a serious consideration. Um, in your bulletin are a number of announcements. You will notice uh, meetings this afternoon of the membership evangelism at 3 and Council on Ministries at 4. The youth are not meeting tonight because they just got back from a retreat. So uh, most of them have homework to do tonight. I guess we'll let them do that. But the children uh, will be meeting as usual, and the Bible studies are continuing as usual as well. Uh, Please keep in mind uh, some special events coming up. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And the week after that, I believe, is Easter. Is that correct? Am I getting my, you know, y'all, somebody just looked up at me real shocked. That's right. Um, uh, Two weeks from today uh, will be Easter. So um, I look forward to celebrating the Lord's resurrection with you folks in in the coming days ahead. Um, Then we have the special weekend at the end of the month of April that we hope that you will remember the time when we will be working uh, for the Relay for Life group and also though it's a weekend of spiritual renewal for all of us as we come to something on friday night and the jason crab concert on saturday and um, sunday morning a guest speaker a friend of mine is going to be here jim nates please put that on your calendars and, and plan to be with us that weekend it will be a special time in the life of the church let us now begin our time together in worship Of faith is the Apostle, Apostles' Creed on page 881. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Lord Father Almighty, maker of heaven, heaven and, earth, earth, and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary,
1: suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and considered at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit,
0: the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This time I invite the children to come forward to join Katie Jeter for a few moments of sharing.
2: good this morning? Yeah, yeah. I want you to tell me what m- your most prized possession would be. Do you know what that means? The one thing that's most important to you. My family. Your family. That's a good one. For everybody I know. Y'all are good. Caring for everybody you know. What about something? Like for me, I wear a lot of my prized possessions. Something that I would consider most important, like my charm bracelet that has special things on it, or my wedding rings? Do you have anything like that you can think of? Maybe your best stuffed animal? No? Okay. Y'all are good. Well, one day, Jesus went to the city of Bethany, and that was the city where a man named Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, lived with his two sisters, and their names were Mary and Martha. While Jesus was in Bethany, a dinner was given in his honor, and Lazarus was sitting at the table eating with Jesus while Martha was serving the meal. Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach and talk. As she was sitting at his feet, she did something really unusual. She took a bottle of very expensive perfume, and that was actually her prized possession. That was the one thing that was most important to her. And she started to use it to wash Jesus' feet. Is that kind of unusual? Yeah. Then she dried her feet, his feet, with her hair. And the Bible tells us that the entire house smelled of that good perfume. That's how special it was. It filled up the whole house with how good it smelled. Well, one of Jesus' disciples, whose name was Judas, was really upset about what she had done. Why do you think that he would be upset? If that was the most expensive thing she had, her most prized possession, it was probably worth a lot of money, right? Well, he thought that he, that she could have used that money for something better and given that money maybe to the poor. It was a whole year's worth of wages. So if somebody had worked for a whole year, that's how much money it was worth. That's a lot, right? Jesus came to Mary's defense and answered Judas, Leave her alone. She has kept this perfume for the day of my burial. Jesus said that because he knew it was only a few days before he would be crucified and buried. I don't know if Mary knew that or not, but I do think that Mary wanted to give Jesus her very best, and that was her very best, so that's why she did that with her perfume. Jesus has given us the most wonderful gift that we can imagine. What do you think that is? That's right. He sent his most prized possession, the thing that meant the most to him. And like you said, your family is. That's what he sent. He sent Jesus, his only son, to die for us. And that gave us the gift of everlasting life. And it's free to us, but did it cost him a lot? Yeah, it cost his son's life, right? Jesus died for us. What can we give Jesus to show our love for him? Can you think of something? Do you think he wants pray my charm bracelet? Would my charm bracelet be a good gift? Mm, no. no. What did you say? Him. That's right. We can pray to him. We can love others and serve others. He wants our very best. He wants our heart. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, you gave your life to show your love for us. May we also give our lives to you as an expression of our love. Amen. Thank you.
0: Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 21. It's on page 1127, if you want to turn to it and follow along in your pew Bible. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and army reinforcements together and and they lay there never to rise again extinguished snuffed out like a wick forget the former things do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Here ends the reading. Our responsive reading is Psalm 146 on page 847. I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share this passage responsibly. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our house, the fire, and our shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negeb. Those
1: who sow with tears, reap with shouts of joy.
0: Those who go forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. Our epistle lesson is Philippians chapter 3, verses 4b through 14. Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi and says, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is past, Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here ends the lesson. I invite you to join me in the prayer of confession. As we begin our prayer time, the prayer is printed there in your bulletin. O oh, merciful Father. Oh, I have a different one, I apologize. Excuse me. Let us pray together. Oh God, by the example of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, you taught us the greatness of true humility. And call us to watch with him in his passion. Give us grace to serve one another in all lowliness. And to enter into the fellowship of his suffering. In the name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this season that reminds us of the depth of your love for us. It isn't always it always is a a fresh story to us that not only did the God who made us not ever give out his hope for us or run out of patience, but you came to save us. You didn't just scrap your creation and start all over. From the very beginning you set in motion the plan. To bring us back home and to offer us redemption. We are grateful for this. <clears throat> We're thankful that in Jesus we know what it means to understand your love for us and to see the depth of your love for us. As Jesus himself said, there is no greater love than when we put our life on the line for one another or when we lay down our lives in death. And die for someone. How great a love you have for us, O Father, that that is what you could do and would do for us. We're also grateful that you have wanted, since the earliest of humankind's days, you have wanted us to know what you're like. You have wanted us to know that you were a God of grace and mercy and patience and a God who would give us life eternal. And so we are grateful that you came to reveal yourself in many different ways. We're thankful that you revealed yourself in the written word and through the spoken word of the prophets. But we're grateful too that you expressed supremely your nature to us in Jesus Christ who is your expression, your word here on earth to us. As we look at Jesus, we are amazed at his patience in dealing with people and his willingness to offer second chances and forgiveness and grace. It is wonderful, God, to know what you're like and to see that lived out in Jesus. But especially it's wonderful that A part of our Christian journey is walking in a personal relationship with you. We can call upon you as our friend as well as our father. We can talk with you in prayer. We can become aware of your presence with us every day as we go through life. We thank you for this living relationship that we can have with you as we journey down The highway of life. We're thankful that Jesus made this possible because He removed from us our sin and gave to us right standing with God that we might live in fellowship with You. We are mindful this day of the need that we all have for You, but especially the need that some of our friends have as they face surgeries, as they recover from illnesses, as they go through times of great stress and worry in their lives, some of our friends this day need you desperately, O Lord, and we lift these people, our friends, to you in prayer, knowing that you will be attentive to those needs and present with them in what they're experiencing now. These things we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. wonderful thing about uh, turning 60 is you can blame lots of things on getting old. They used to call us older preachers superannuated, I think, wasn't it, George? Superannuated, a bunch of years. I, I print out the prayer of confession so that I can see uh, without squinting, and it helps if I print out the same one y'all are going to say. We'll see if we can get that together for me next week, but... Uh, I must have printed out the one for next Sunday, June. I don't know. But anyway, I have a, a new insight into this gospel lesson that I'm going to read in a moment um, that that came about recently. I, I understand now why Jesus allowed this to take place. You know, it had to be a most unusual thing to have somebody anoint him like this. Um, There's another story of him being anointed, and people at that dinner party thought that uh, it was very, very unusual. Uh, People come by here from time to time asking for assistance, and sometimes I'm able to get them some help from some of the downtown agencies. One of these uh, gentlemen recently came back by the church, and he said, I want to do something for you. And I said, I don't have anything to do. He said, well, let me wash your car. So I didn't want him to do that. I wasn't that dirty. But a little voice inside of me said, He needs to give. And you need to let him give. So he washed my car beautifully. Jesus knew that Mary needed to give. And you and I need to give. It's a need we have. And when someone sometimes wants to do something nice for you, Maybe you ought to let them do that because they have a need to give to you. Um, And so that was something I hadn't thought about before a man from the street came back and washed my car. God has lots of ways to teach us. Here now from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, the gospel lesson. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Here ends the lesson. The text for today's sermon is Paul's Philippian passage that we read earlier. Let me admit to you the obvious. I love to eat. I especially love our southern buffets. They make it so easy for me to commit the sin of gluttony. The great thing about a buffet, you know, is that we have so many choices there. Depending on what strikes my fancy or what my body is craving, I can choose between beef, pork, or chicken. No fish, thank you. And I have my choice, too, of delicious fruits, vegetables, and desserts. Different foods appeal to me at different times, and different people like very different foods from the foods I prefer and so it's good we have a variety at our buffets it's also good that we have a variety to uh, offer to us at faith's buffet table there are many different aspects of the Christian faith and church life that can appeal to different ones of us at different times in our lives Fellowship with kindred spirits is very attractive to us. It seems to especially be important to youth and older adults. Music is what attracts some people to church. Some of you have told me that you put up with my sermons just so that you get to hear the good music that you find here. The call to service attracts some people to be involved in the life of the church. And it is wonderful that the church gives us many opportunities to go out from this place to work for the betterment of our world. Spiritual needs, like the need to experience God's grace and forgiveness, brings us some of us to church, <clears throat> while the need to study and learn more about the Bible and theology draws other people here. It would be an interesting survey for us to take this year of the uh, Uh, censuses going around town if each of us would take a census to tell what attracts us to being involved in the life of the church what caused us to become followers of Jesus Christ in the first place and why have we come here to Memorial United Methodist Church there is indeed a spiritual buffet out there for us to, to draw upon Paul tells us something in his letter to the Philippians about what on the table was most appealing to him at this point in time in his life. The Good News Bible translates the passage this way All I want, and you know when you and I say that's all I want, that means it's so important. All I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. His close adherence to the old covenant meant very little to him right now. His ancestry meant even less. What mattered to Paul now was being declared in right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And to grow in his personal relationship with Christ. All I want is to know Christ, he said. It is at this point that I feel a great kinship with Paul. You see, I came from a very strong Methodist family. One great-grandfather and three uncles were pastors in the Methodist church. My mother was the old Upper South Carolina Conference children's worker back in the 1940s. I not only was at church growing up every time the doors were open, I knew where all the keys were hidden. My faith in the early years and in, in my involvement in church was all about right and wrong, doing the right things, avoiding the wrong things. But when I was in high school, I met some youth who were excited about their faith for a different reason. They talked about a personal relationship with Christ. And that was somewhat of a new concept for me at that time. Their personal prayers were really wonderful to listen to. They weren't fancy, but you definitely got the feeling that they knew who it was they were talking to. It was this new emphasis on the buffet of faith that gave me a renewal of my own faith and later a call to the ministry. And it's an aspect of my faith that I find very, very meaningful today, sustaining me day by day. It is a challenge to know that I can grow to come to know Christ personally. What a wonderful idea. But the other side of that coin is even more important. God wants to know me. God wants to know you. Back when I was in seminary, the professors there used to correct us when we talked too much about knowing Christ. That's not important, they would say. What's important is God knows your name. God knows who you are and wants to know you better. Isn't it a wonderful thing when someone important remembers your name and knows who you are? About the same time I was attending a seminary, I got a phone call one day from a Little known politician, I'd never heard of him. He was asking me to come join his team to help him become elected governor of South Carolina. Well, I was way too busy with school and my job to respond to his invocation and so I had to to tell him no. And it's a real shame that I did. That politician was named Dick Riley. He was our governor and later the Secretary of Education. Who knows, I might be Senate chaplain today if I had responded because Dick Riley at that time knew my name and wanted me on his team. Isn't it great that Almighty God knows your name and wants to get to know you better? God wants to know you and wants you to know him. Christianity is therefore more of a relationship than it is a religion. It's not so much a creed as it is a growing kinship with Almighty God. Now, I've wondered why this aspect of the faith has had such a strong appeal to me across the years. And it's probably because, for me and for most of us, life is all about relationships, isn't it? It's about being a parent or a child or a brother or a sister or a friend. We are related to one another in a variety of ways. God made us that way. We need interpersonal relationships in order to become all that we can be. And in the process of relating to others, we meet ourselves. God must have known that we would better understand his love if we could experience it in a person rather than just as an idea. If we could experience it in a living flesh and blood savior that we could know and love, And that's why he sent Jesus here instead of a textbook on love. He didn't just stand on the shores of heaven. He jumped into the ocean of our existence. God jumped into action beginning at the stable in Bethlehem. And he did this because he knew we needed a relationship to understand him and ourselves and to find the power to grow. First of all, we need a relationship to experience love. Love cannot really be understood as just an idea. You have to experience it, feel it, and you can't experience it by yourself. Love isn't really love until it involves another human being. It is one thing to repeat that statement, God is love. It is another thing to come to know that God and discover firsthand his love and patience. You see, God is a great cosmic blur to lots of people. He's just a concept, an idea. And he will remain that until Christ becomes a real person to that person. It is in a relationship with Christ that we begin to see God as a personal being. Back in the 1960s, we used to sing a song by Ralph Carmichael that I believe made its way into a Billy Graham film first, but we used to sing it in my youth group. The words went like this. In the stars his handiwork I see, on the wind he speaks with majesty, though he ruleth over land and sea, what is that to me? I will celebrate nativity, for it has a place in history. Sure, he came to set his people free, but what is that to me? Till by faith I met him face to face, and I felt the wonder of his grace. Then I knew that he was more than just a God who didn't care, who lived away out there. Now he walks beside me day by day, ever watching o'er me lest I stray, helping me to find the narrow way. He's everything to me. God becomes real when Christ becomes real. Secondly, it is in a relationship that our self-esteem is formed. Self-esteem is our feelings about ourselves, whether or not we like who we are. If a person has a healthy sense of self-worth, their life, that person's life will reflect that in his daily life. But a person of low self-esteem becomes a problem to society and to him or herself. Theologian Letty Russell says that our sense of well-being and worth is to be found in relationships. What psychology calls a healthy self-esteem is experienced theologically as being right with God, right standing before God, or righteousness. We believe that we are people that God has put right with himself. He has justified us to himself by the actions of Jesus. Bruce Larson says, the person of faith knows that his search for himself is bound up in his search for God. It's very interesting to me that in the Philippian passage, Paul tied together the concepts of knowing Christ and righteousness, justification. It was because Paul had entered into a personal relationship with Jesus and the foundation of his self-worth was radically altered. No longer was his self-esteem based upon obeying rules or based on his family heritage, but it was based upon something that God had said about him, that God had said, you're all right in my sight. Paul learned that he was in good standing with God through his friendship with Jesus. Now, just about every teenager that I've ever talked with, including myself, just a few years ago, struggles with their feelings about themselves and their self-acceptance. Certainly that was true about myself. Penny likes to tell people that when she and I first met, she was about two inches taller than I was. I was very short, and yet I had a size 13 foot that always fit in my mouth so nice and neatly. Um, Because of being short with a size 13 foot, I looked like a capital L wherever I went. But as a high school student, through that youth group, I began to learn that uh, God said I was okay. He loved me. And that he wanted to, to know me and for me to know him. And out of that relationship came the understanding that I'm okay, warts and all. Like the bumper sticker says, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. Pardon me, English teachers. In the light of a relationship with Christ, I began to see myself as a different kind of person, forgiven, loved, and capable. I knew what it was to be justified and declared righteous by faith. It meant that God accepted me just as I was. Have you learned that you are somebody of worth to God? You're not junk. God knew you when you were still a blueprint in his mind. He designed you for a wonderful eternal purpose. You are known and loved by God. Don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. Thirdly, it is in a relationship that we're empowered to change. Christ coming to earth was all about change, we know. He brought many changes to society and to religion. I've mentioned my friend Enoch Finkley before back in the late 70s when we were in the Columbia District together, Enoch was always up to something. And one day he brought a Jewish prayer cap to our district superintendent, Chad Davis. You know, a a yarmulke, I think they're called, yarmulke. And he also presented Chad with a little poem that said, Roses are red, violets are blue. If it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be wearing one too. Well, that's a change, I guess, that Christ made to the way we worship, but Jesus also brings us the power to change the insides. It is said that we will be the same people five years from now that we are today, except for two things, the people that we meet and the books that we read. It is through these relationships, and books carry us into relationships, you know, I guess movies do too, But we tend to take upon ourselves the characteristics of the companions that we make for life. And that is why our decisions about who our friends are going to be are so very important. It also emphasizes the fact that it's very important to have Jesus as our best friend. He can rub off on us. How wonderful, good news that is. Paul said that in his relationship with Christ... He wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the power to change, to become a new person. Knowing Christ links us to resurrection, life-changing power. Christ can raise us from death now, from the deadness of sins and bad habits and meaninglessness. Walking daily with Christ will change any of us. Paul could even embrace suffering that came his way when it meant that in the suffering he might get to know Jesus just a little better. And it does seem to be that it is in the valleys of life where we grow the most. Paul could even embrace death as something positive because he saw it as a doorway to knowing Christ fully even now as we're known by Christ. We can know Christ personally, encountering him daily through prayer, Bible study, and the Holy Spirit, and fellowshipping with Christians. Knowing Christ will bring us into God's love, whereby we can accept ourselves, and we can even change. Amen. Uh